You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. It's a great song, isn't it, guys? That was our men's retreat. Yeah, it just happened a few weeks ago, and a great time. The Lord moved in a special way. We didn't have any pictures of our soul walk, our football, uh, but it was a really, really good time. Nothing excites me more than seeing God move in the heart of someone. Um, so, And our women as well. I want to make sure we have a phenomenal women's retreat. So uh, I have never been on it, but I hear it's really good. So, uh, Jesus, thank you for your grace and your love, and we just humble ourselves before you. Have your way here, Jesus, in and through me and in us. I know uh, people are here right now because you drew them to church. So speak to them, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So if uh, you were just walking into this church, or maybe you're here, this is your normal weekend, but I want you to know this is a special message. This is an independent message. This is not, a a lot of times when when I preach or, or we preach, we walk through a scripture, a passage, and and we unpack it and, and, and see what the Lord wants to tell us. Um, this message right here is unique in that I only preach this message, the TC soul message, once about every year, maybe two years. So the, the purpose behind this is we're going to uh, kind of like look behind the curtain, you know, look at the DNA of Thorn Creek Church. Who are we? What do we stand for? And how has God moved in this church? And the reason why we do this Thorn Creek soul is because it puts us all on the same page. It helps us know like what we're willing to fight for, what we're not. It helps us uh, kind of look at everything through the same lens. So it, it really helps us become a stronger church. So that's what you've walked into. I want to encourage you to come back next week. We're starting a brand new series called Jesus Who. We're sending out 30,000 postcards tomorrow. So pray that God uses those 30,000 postcards and we're encouraging people to, to come to church, and, and, and uh, we want them to obviously get to know Jesus Christ at a transformational level. So pray for those postcards, will you? Um, <clears throat> so today, or tonight, this morning, I get to share with you how God, is, how God has moved in the DNA of Thorn Creek. Um, incidentally, on April 20th, this coming April 20th, Thorn Creek's going to turn 17 years old. That's a big, big deal. This is a picture of our very, very first grand opening day, April 20, 2003, and we were meeting at the Adams uh, School District uh, Training Center. It's on 128th Street, and that's where we were meeting. There's a whole story why we were in this building, but we had 150 people show up, all strangers, and I just remember I was terrified. (laughs) My message was terrible, too. It was like, God loves you. He has a plan for your life. He really wants you to know him. He really cares about you very much. I mean, it was like that. It was horrible. But people came back, and they came back. I think we had 88 the following weekend after this. But um, I, you know, it's so important to see and remember how God has worked and how God has moved. I need to share a verse with you or a passage with you. Ephesians chapter 3 says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father. This is Paul's prayer to the church of Ephesus. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may, what church? He may strengthen you. Gosh, does anybody need strength? Strengthen you with power through his, what church? Spirit. 
spirit in your what? In your, this is soul talk right here. And the prayer is that God may strengthen you through his spirit in your inner being, the deep place of your soul. That's where God wants to give you strength. Verse 17 says, so that, can you say so that with me? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That interesting, you need strength to walk by faith. You need strength to walk by faith. Hello. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, here it comes, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Isn't that a good word? I don't know what's going on in, in your head or your heart. I don't know how you see God. I don't know if you believe God exists or doesn't believe or you walk around with guilt and shame and you feel like you're living in plan B and not plan A. I don't know. But some of you, you just, you know, you have a view of God's love as the size of your bathtub or something. And you fill it up and you say, that's how deep God's love is for me and he could never forgive me and he could never do anything and he could never free me and he could never, whatever it is, I want you to know God's love is more like the size of the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean put together for you. He loves you. It's high, it's deep, it's wide, it's long, it's beautiful. And that's his love for you. Verse 19, he says, and to know this love. See, isn't that beautiful? God doesn't want you to just see it from a distance. He wants you to know it. He wants you to go swimming in it. He wants you to go deep into it. That's his love for you. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. There's something miraculous that happens when you have a genuine encounter with the love of God. It changes you. You see church different. You see reading God's word different. Everything changes when you have an encounter with God's love and you recognize, oh my word, there's nothing more greater to live for than the love of God. And I want him to work in me and through me for his good pleasure. And it, it puts everything in perspective. It's like the man who sold everything and hid the treasure and he bought the whole field. It's the same thing. Verse 20 says this now. Let's read this out loud because this is our, this is our, our verse here at Thorn Creek. Now to him who is able to do, then all we ask according to his power. So this verse right here, I was in California, and I was there, you can see the date on the screen, May 18, 2001. And I was at a conference, and I was at Saddleback Church. That's where this conference was. And when that verse was read, that was the time when the Lord said, Reuben, I want you to start this church. It was that verse. So this verse is more than like a bumper sticker or just a highlighted verse. This verse is the verse that said that, that God said, go. Now, you can look at the date, May 18, 2001. Grace and I, and Josiah was two years old at the time, and Hannah hadn't even been born yet. But we, we moved to Thornton. I had to learn how to say Thornton. Thornton in uh, September 2002. So it was May 18 when the Lord gave me this word, and then it was the, the September 2002. And this verse right here tells us we have a God who can do immeasurably more. You have a God who can do immeasurably more, immeasurably more in your life, in your home, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your pain, in your hurt. You have a God who can do immeasurably more in your life. He can give you joy and peace and love and grace and mercy 
And it's according to his power, not our power. It's according to him that's at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So Ephesians 3.20, on that date, you have to know that was a significant moment. A.W. Tozer, I came across this quote when I was in Colorado Springs, and I was a pastor there for a bit, and the Lord gave me this word. God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity we only attempt the things we can do on our own. This is a picture of our uh, first meeting place. This is where we were at this place for nine years. It was auto troll technology. Now it's uh, owned by Westgate School. And that was the, this was the room that we had. This was like one of our first services. I could tell because the back wall was like this beautiful orange. And, uh, and, and then it eventually became black. And I just remember those lights above me. I, I think I lost part of my vision during those nine years because they would shine down like really low and I felt like I was at a nightclub or something. And, and it was just shining. I would always preach like this. That's what I I'd preach. I'd rarely to look in the middle because the lights were so bright. But uh, anyway, um, I, I look at this and I see the faithfulness of God. And this quote right here tells you what kind of church we are. So imagine this, Thorn Creek. We have one leg, Ephesians 3.20, and another one, this A.W. Tozer quote right there. When I read that quote, I evaluated my life, and I thought, how much of my life requires God to show up, or it's going to fail? How much of your life requires God to show up? Do you attempt things that could only be accomplished if God were in it? Or are you living on your own resources and your own strengths and your own plan? Well, for me, when I was a pastor in Colorado Springs, I looked at that, and I, I, I calculated at least 90, 95% of my life as a pastor did not require God to show up. The Lord spoke to me and said, Reuben, Thorn Creek Church, I don't even know the name of the church at this time. He told me Thorn Creek Church is going to be the kind of church where, God, where he's going to do immeasurably more according to his power at work within us, and it's going to be the kind of church where we're going to attempt things that can only be done if God shows up. Those two things, that's, Thorn Creek, that's what you have walked into this morning. And we have history of making decisions that are standing on these two legs. All the way into this building, when I signed the lease in this building, it was right around eight to $9,000 a month, as I recall, and we only had three giving families during those days. I signed a lease that we were going to start paying literally the next month $8,000. Yeah. And we have examples of how God has moved like that. The big thing is you just have to make sure it's God's will. You have to make sure. So I want to share with you five things that you should know about Thorn Creek Church. And as you come to this church, it's important for you to know these five things because everything else will make sense. This is a picture of Cottonwood Lakes building. We bought it for, for uh, $700,000. And I remember uh, this, is, uh, well, this is like a, uh, some sort of a vacation Bible school or something like that. We were doing that during that time. But we spray painted that Jesus. Remember the Jesus uh, banner? Some of you remember that? We did uh, churches in the park and we would put that thing up. But here's the first thing you need to know. Our heart is emotionally wrapped up around the local church because we know the founder. His name is Jesus. So we utterly believe the local church is the hope of the world. We utterly believe that the local church is God's primary conduit to share the gospel of Christ, to share his purpose, to share his love. So church is just not something that I have to do. It's not just something that a box that I have to check off. You don't have to drag me to church. I come to church because I'm a Christian, not because I'm a pastor, not because I have to preach. I come to church because I love Jesus and I'm in debt to him and he's done so much in my life and I owe him so much. 
and it helps me stronger. It fuels me. It gives me strength, and that's why church is so important. So we are emotionally wrapped up with the local church. You just need to know that. We feel that strongly. This right here is a Stargate School, which is now Frizzati, but we used to do church right there in that building, and we were here in this building for four years. Four years we were in that building, and we used to do church. Um, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So we utterly believe that for you to be a faithful follower of Christ, a strong, healthy follower of Christ, that church it needs to be part of a weekly habit for you. We utterly believe that. Utterly believe that. So that's why we're always encouraging people to come to church. You know, the, the Lord has a word for you, and you never know what the Lord's going to say. If you're not at church, you won't hear it. We live in a day and age right now where people, even Christians, are saying, you know what, I don't need church. I can worship God. I can do life without church. I can do it at my home. I can listen to that podcast. I can look at that video. I don't need that. But what we believe here is we believe all those things are good, and they're great supplemental things, but they don't replace the local church coming together with your brothers and sisters and doing life with them serving, loving, sharing, doing life with them. So I just want you to know, we might be a little bit old school. We just believe the power of the local church coming together. Here's my desire is that we see supernatural chaos. Supernatural chaos. The kind of thing like when our men's recovery group, you know, they have a recovery group meeting a couple of weeks ago and someone's on the way to the liquor store in the front over there by Ace Hardware and something in them tells them to come inside and they come inside and they start talking and God gets all over this thing and they end up praying for the guy and, and, and you know, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. I love seeing God move like that. When God moves in such a way and you're like, I didn't plan on this. It's not in the business plan or the ministry plan or the playbook, but God is moving like this and let's just follow the way the Lord's moving. I love that kind of stuff because God, I want to be part of where God is moving. I want to do what his spirit is doing and that's my heart's desire. The church can be messy. The church can be messy. Um, I think about all the rooms in our building that we have. And I think, which one reflects the church the best? I don't think it's the youth room, although the good things happen in there. And I don't think it's the offices, although good things happen in there. You know which room I think reflects the room the best? The nursery, where the babies are at. Because in the nursery, it smells like poop. <laughs> it smells in there. And, and babies, they puke, and they do things, and the diaper, and you throw it in the trash can, and it smells, and you're sanitizing, and, you, and you're constantly doing this stuff, and you have to watch them because they're crawling all over the place. And in the midst of it, there's no other room that has more life than the nursery. Life is just coming out of there. Brand new life. It's steaming. It's growing. Every day they look different. So much life. And the church is flawed, but it's the bride of Christ. So if you want to become a stronger Christian, then come to church every single weekend. Grow in Christ. And I love the fact when, when, when it may be messy, but you know what? Jesus is all over it. The Holy Spirit is all over it. And that's where you want to be. And that's where I want to be. I want to, have, I want to see supernatural chaos. Our vision statement says this. It's up in the front lobby. To transform self-sufficient people into Christ-driven people. You know what a self-sufficient person is? Maybe this is you. It's all about you, 
You manage your life. You control your life. You don't share any of your problems with anyone else. In fact, you might even hide them, and you convince yourself you can control it, you can manage it. And when that automatic garage door shuts, it's your private world. What we want to teach people to do is what it looks like to walk with Jesus, what it looks like to be part of a biblical community, to resemble that early Acts church. You know, the early Acts church, they just loved. The other thing I want you to hear is we have these seven habits. You see them on the walls on your left and on your right. They're right up against the wall. You guys see them? They're beautiful. So these seven habits God gave me all the way back when, when uh, gosh, many, many, many years ago when I was walking through Ace Hardware, ironically, on the other side of this wall. And, and these are habits that we want all, anyone who comes to Thorn Creek Church to work on these habits. You can see the scripture references for them as well. Think of these as spiritual muscles that you need to walk with Christ. Something I've discovered is there's a lot of people who say, yep, I'm a good person, or yep, I'm a Christian, but they don't do the things that the Bible tells us to do. They don't do the things that require us to be spiritually strong, obeying God, loving others, daily worship, small group involvement, attending church, there it is, serving faithfully and giving sacrificially. So we want everyone to develop these muscles. In fact, you can look at them right now, and I would just ask you, which Muscle, are you not working out? Which one do you, what area do you need to improve in your life? What needs to happen? Ultimately, the Spirit of God changes hearts. We understand that. But we want to show you that we are a church that's in the business of growing people into Christ, discipling them. The other thing is this. We value, oh, incidentally, the seven habits. Let me tell you, we are doing a class every single Wednesday at 645. This Wednesday at 645, you can jump in, and this Wednesday is attending church. It's about an hour, an hour and 15-minute class. On Wednesday, there's child, child care, child program provided, so be a part of it. We value perseverance. This is the back of uh, Stargate, and I love this because we had these white tables and cords everywhere, and I remember one time somebody chipped over a cord and the sound went out and all kinds of crazy stuff, but I love, we just do what we have to do. We value perseverance at this church. Perseverance is a beautiful thing. Have you ever persevered through something? Like when it's hard and you say, I'm going to stay when it's, when it's difficult and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to it. I'm going to stay committed even though it may not go my way. Have you ever persevered through something? Anytime you see perseverance in Scripture, there's a beautiful blessing on the other side. I, I want to show you this picture because I feel like it really captures Thorn Creek Church. And here it is right here. There's us right there. We just do what we have to do. This was at Prairie Hills. And, and we didn't have anything. We say, I have an idea. So we... We borrowed that from uh, their bathroom. I think we put it back. I don't remember. But anyway, we used it right there. I needed to show that. Hebrews says this. The writer of Hebrews says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off. Say throw off with me. Throw off everything that hinders. There's things that will hinder your walk with God. Do you know what they are in your life right now? Do you know what is hindering your walk with God? You need to ask God, God, what is hindering my walk with you, Lord? Whatever it is, it's keeping you from a life of full surrender and full obedience to God. That's what it is. It's keeping you from a life of full devotion 
to Christ. It's keeping you from the blessings on the other side. That's what's hindering you. So don't be misled. Don't fool yourself. That thing that seems innocent can hinder you. And, and the writer of Hebrews says we need to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily, what church? Sin entangles easily. It's not hard. It's easy to get tripped up and get tangled up in it. So the writer of Hebrews says you need to throw off whatever it is that's hindering you. And you need to be aware of the sin that so easily entangles. And here it is. And let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's beautiful. My Bible professors would be proud if I told you that word sat down literally means he's completed it. He's finished. It's what we do after a hard day of work. You sit down. It's exactly what Christ did here. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. <clears throat> we have a picture or a timeline in the lobby out there in the front. I want to encourage you to read it. But this is a picture. These pictures are pictures of perseverance. You just read them, and it's just, there's people who have persevered, persevered. How many of you were here during the days of Otter Trail? Would you raise your hand? These are the people who have persevered. You see these hands up? Yeah, they have persevered. That's right. They have persevered. There's been other people who haven't persevered. Sometimes it was a right reason. Sometimes it was a wrong reason. Perseverance. There are divine moments and there are blessings on the other side of perseverance. Don't get hung up in the in-between of life. Be faithful and God will show you the other side. Eventually, the Israelites landed in Canaan. Eventually, they did. Number three is this. We believe love should be visible. We believe love should be visible. Jesus said this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That's what God wants you. He wants you to love him with all your heart, soul, and mind. Other places include strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And verse 39 says, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, in the early church, they were known for their love. You know, right now, there's a little bit of fear across our nation over this coronavirus and there's this concern about it, which the truth is, you know, the common flu has killed more people than the coronavirus. But, but because we don't know a lot about the coronavirus, there's a little bit of fear. There's no playbook for that. But in the early church, I just went to know, we were talking about this in our, our board meeting, and I told our board this. In the early church, in those first 200 years, you know what stood out to everyone else around them? Their love for others. In fact, when people were sick and on the streets, so to speak, they would go out on the streets when everybody else, because they didn't know what was happening, when people were sick, people were pushed out on the streets because they were fearful that that sickness, that illness would come or that plague would come into their home. 
So they would push people out on the streets. The Christians went out into the streets and said, you can come and you can live with us and we'll love on you and we'll care for you. That right there stood out to the Romans. It stood out to all the others who were not Christians, all of the Jews. Uh, Josephus, a Jewish historian, talks about this, how that love stood out. We could be the church today. There's three core values that we believe in. It's love, relationships, and transformation. In fact, you could look on our very front, on the bottom of the windows in the front door, look when, when, if you go out on that side, look at it outside, it says love, relationships, and transformation. We believe in these three core values. Love should be visible. You know, I, I mentioned last week we have a family here, the Magina family, and they, uh, um, they're a ministry family. Their dad was a pastor, and he pastored this church for 35 years and founded it, and then he, he died because of cancer. And it just really shook up the family. He was kind of like the patriarch of the family and really shook him up. So, so they, uh, they had to take over the church, and eventually they had to close it. So they're in the process of closing it. So we went over there. I told them, I want to do this. And, and this whole thing started when Maddie texted my wife, Grace. And, and Grace said, Reuben, look at this. We should love on this family. So we went over there Friday night, two nights ago, to love on this family. And we prayed with them, heard their story, prayed with them. And then we got a bunch of stuff, threw it in the dumpster, cleaned out their church, helped clean up all their rooms because they felt overwhelmed with it all. You know, we had close to 100 people show up on Friday night. Yeah, it was beautiful. And I look at it, and my heart is so just so big, and I'm just so proud, and I'm just like, that's our church. We love people. We are known for working hard and loving hard and praying hard. We're just known for a life of faith and love. Johnny McGinnis sent me this text. I wanted to read it to you. He gave me permission. He said, good morning, Pastor Reuben. <clears throat> Last night when we were at home, I want you to know that my daughter, wife, and I became very emotional and we shared tears and pray together for those kind enough to come and help us. We are overwhelmed with how much Thorn Creek loved on us last night. It's so awesome how God touches hearts to nurture others. I want to thank you for demonstrating a great example of that love. Isn't that beautiful? So way to go, Thorn Creek. We are intentional. We are an intentional place for sinner and saint. We are in an intentional place for sinner and saint. This picture right here, this is Prairie Hills Elementary. This is where we used to be, off of 136 in Colorado. Um, but we are mindful of the person who has not been at church in forever, and we're also mindful of the person who's been at church and who considers himself a Christian, and we're intentional about both. Jesus said this, in Luke chapter 15, he didn't say this, but this is said about Jesus. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So I just want you to know the kind of church you have here. We love sinner and saint. The messages, the worship, the ministry programs we have, it's a place for anyone to come, whether you've been walking with God forever or not. You can come here. You can explore who Christ is at your own pace. This is a place that we are intentionally mindful of the sinner and the saint. You hear that? It's both. It's not just a holy huddle. It's not just for saints. It's a place for a sinner and saint. You can come and be a part of this. 
In fact, the Great Commission tells us in Matthew chapter, chapter 28, Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We feel a weight to help Christians grow in their walk with Christ. That's why the seven habits are on the wall. That's why we do these programs, and that's why we encourage people to read their Bible, and that's why small groups are, are, are centered on God's Word because of that. Let me share with you some stats as we look at Thorn Creek here. You should know this stat. First thing is this, about 6,000 churches in North America close their doors every year. Think about that. We're, we live in a day of tolerance, don't we? There's no right, there's no wrong. It just depends on how you feel. And you can, whatever it is, whatever your agenda is, or, you know, that's just the day we live. 6,000 churches in North America close their doors every year. When I started Thorn Creek Church, when we started April 20, 2003, there were seven churches within a half a mile of Thorn Creek Church that were also starting. Seven churches. Do you know how many of those seven churches are around today? Zero. All gone. This is hard ground. And I see that, and I say, this is a tribute to what the Lord has done here. That's what this is. It's a tribute to what God has done here. The other thing you should know is 3,500 Americans leave their churches every day. Maybe it's a Christian who got hurt and said, you know what, I don't want to go to church anymore. Or maybe they, their theology's kind of got shook up and they said, you know what, I don't know what I believe anymore, I want to stop. Or whatever it is, 3,500. Look at this, less than 20% of Americans attend church regularly. How often do you attend church? Less than 20% of Americans attend church regularly. We live in a day and age where even Christians are not convinced that attending church is critical to their faith. 15% of churches in the U.S. are growing. Of those 15%, you know who's included in there? Dissatisfied, disgruntled Christians. Now, these are Christians who are at one church, and they don't like the music, the pastor said something, the pastor forgot, whatever. Someone else hurt them, whatever, and they move from one church and they move to another church, and that church says, oh, we're growing, when all they've done is they've inherited a dissatisfied, disgruntled Christian. That's all they've done. We're just moving sheep from one pen to another pen. And if that's you, let me just help you, because there's a good chance it's a matter of time you're going to be dissatisfied or disgruntled at Thorn Creek, if that's your pattern. But that's who's in there, that 15%. And look at this, only 2% are growing by conversion growth. That means only 2% are growing by someone who came to church, accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They got baptized, and they're growing in their faith. Only 2% of those churches exist. I want you to know, Thorn Creek Church is striving to be the 2%. There's plenty of churches to choose from, aren't there? We don't need another church. There's great churches, great pastors. We don't need another church. We just need the church to be the church and to be faithful in the mission field that they're in. I want to show you Denver. Here's the 20 most unchurched cities in the U.S. It's only the top 20 of the most unchurched. Number one is San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose, California. Not a big surprise. That's the most, one of the most unchurched. And then it jumps in Reno, Nevada, and then you jump out east, Massachusetts area and that kind of thing. Number 20, there it is, Denver, Colorado. It's hard ground here. Denver, Colorado. You know which one's on the other side, the most church cities in America? Bible Belt, 
all over, Bible Belt, from North Carolina all the way down to Texas. And don't be misunderstood. Don't think that they're all spiritually mature because they can go to church and lift their hands and worship God and talk about the pastor in the parking lot. They can do that. I love the fact over here in Denver, people just tell you how they feel. Oh, you want to go to church? You want to come to church? No, I don't want to go to church. I love the honesty here in this area. I love it. It's refreshing. I want you to, I want you to see Thorn Creek attendance. <clears throat> you might want to take a picture. This is our attendance, including kids. Look at it from 2003, which is when we started, April 20, 2003. So it's not a full 12 months, but you can see our average. And notice we, our peak was 2009. We, we averaged 561 for that full year. It was one of the, our biggest years. And then on 2012, we, we started a church in between, five, in, in between 2009 and 2011 called Hope Hacienda. We sent about 100 people to go down in the South Thornton. And they're still, they're still meeting today in Thornton Elementary School. But in 2012, we were evicted. And then you can see how the line changes, because when you're in a school, it's really hard to grow a church, and not everyone will go to a school for a church. But you can see how life has been like and, 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 and what our average has been. Number five is this, we work hard so that people can see Jesus clearly. We work hard. I think because the kingdom of God is, a, is at stake, we should work harder than, than the best employee at Google or Apple or Microsoft or anywhere else, because it's involving eternity. It's involving eternity. That's a picture of Andy Fish, and we were in Houston, and we were, you know, I have a new respect for mold and the flood and all that stuff when the flood happened, and, uh, and, and we just, we just <clears throat> work hard. Jesus said this, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's an important verse in this church. We believe it's important for us to do good things, not for us, but so that Jesus can be seen clearly. That's the motivation. We want to have good works and let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. And I think about how we've been involved in schools and we have Food for Hope. Before Food for Hope started, we were feeding schools. We were in schools. We were loving on children. We had this infrastructure already. We were already, already working with the school superintendent. And then it just got better. Lord spoke to me in the parking lot at Tokyo Joe's and said, Reuben, you can do this. And I, I ended up calling Heidi, and I said, Heidi, here's how we can fix the problem. We started Food for Hope. And that program right now, Emily's doing a phenomenal job. Raise your hand, Emily. I think you're here. Raise your hand, Emily. Emily's doing a phenomenal job. <clears throat> it's really beautiful seeing people serve God in their ministry, in their purpose, that's what's beautiful, whether you're doing guest relations or, or you're, you're leading a Food for Hope. Um, she sent me these stats here. We are ministering to 14 schools every single weekend, every single weekend. Yeah, we are putting bags together of food here on Mondays, and then they're going out on Thursday or Friday to all these schools, McElwain Elementary, which is where it all started right there. Thornton Elementary, Coronado Hills, North Star, Riverdale, Wood Glen, Rocky Mountain, Mountain View, Thornton High, North Glen High, Brighton High, Henderson Elementary, Northeast Elementary, and Thimig Elementary. You know any of those schools? Those are the ones we're ministering to every single week. 550 bags are going out. That's 3,200 snacks every single weekend as well. And we're still doing protein bars, I think. Are we still doing protein bar um, snacks instead? We have, a, we have like a little grocery store. It's at North Glen, at North Glen High School. 
If you're a student, there's a room at North Glen High School. It's like a little grocery store where after school is done, the student can go into that little room and go shopping. And they, there's stuff for them to buy, like shoes and clothes, and, but there's food for hope right there. We have food right there so they can get their food as well. Even, even some refrigerators are there for them. Isn't that beautiful? That's how God's using us. Sometimes you don't have to travel you know, 10,000 miles to love on people. Sometimes you just need to drive 10 minutes and, or walk across the hall and love on someone. And then we have our disaster relief projects. This is, we're doing this probably about once every two years or something, and we have a relationship with American Furniture Warehouse where they provide a semi-truck. They provide the driver. They pay for that driver. They take care of the fuel, and our job is we fill up these trucks with gently used furniture and appliances, and we go love on people. This was in Houston. Um, we took two semi-trucks over there. We've been to Joplin. We've been to Moore and other places. At a global level, we love on Negritas Peru. We love on Negritas Peru. Yeah, love on them. This is through Compassion International. We sponsor, it's $38 a month, about 100 children every month. And what they do is they go into this little building, and they learn about Jesus. They get an education there. They learn about hygiene, and they're fed. And this church ministers to those families that go to this school. Great program. Back when we were there last time, Pastor Paul, he went on stage and on his stage, and he, he, they were ripping up carpet, and there was a hole. He said, hey, Reuben, come on over here. And he puts his finger in the hole, and he lifts it up, and it's a big door that opens up. And underneath it is the well that we bought for them. They get water trucked in once a week, and there's 55-gallon drums on houses around there. They make $400 a month on an average, but they don't get a lot of water. So what we, Thorn Creek Church did is we bought this huge well, this basically big reservoir, and they ended up putting it, it's still there right now, it's under their stage where he preaches the word of God every single weekend. And he reaches in and he, gets his, he puts his hand in the water. My first thought was like, is your hand clean? But they don't care. And he reaches in and he pulls it up and there's water and he shows it. He goes, this is what your church has done. See, you're, God is using you in ways you don't even know it. And this program right here, let me just tell you, $45,600 is given to this project every year from Thorn Creek, through Thorn Creek Church, $45,600. Yeah, glory to God. <clears throat> I want you to see our finances because this is important. You may want to take a picture of this too. The last 10 years... You thought you saw the, the attendance. It kind of re follows that. You can see where we've been at, just tithes and offerings. These are people. This right here are people who are trusting God. This is a spiritual issue. Giving is a worship issue. And these are people who have learned the value of worshiping God with their finances, and they give 10% of their income, and that's what you see. That's what I see. I see God moving like that, and it's very humbling. It's very humbling. Last 12 months, let me show you what it looks like the last 12 months. We moved here in July, in this building, July 1, 2019. Now, let me just tell you, to, to be and to do ministry, we need $11,200 every single weekend. $11,200 every single weekend. And let me just be frank with you, we need more people to exercise that faith and to worship God with their giving. By the grace of God... We're in the black, but I want you to know we're at a place where we can use more people to honor God, and it helps the whole church. And praise the Lord, the Lord has done much with us. 
uh, the, our Prevail campaign, it was a two-year campaign, and we used this to help with land and all kinds of stuff. We raised $866,551.96. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> These people right here, this is above and beyond their tithe. You don't see this, but I look at that number, and I know the story behind their number. There are people who have sacrificed vacations, there are people who have sacrificed home improvements, all to give to this right here. And it's all about Jesus. It's all about advancing the kingdom of God. But they are so locked in, and they have partnered and locked in with the vision of this church, and I'm so humbled by that. We have land, 15.21 acres. If you don't know where it's at, it's, it's, there's the address between 136th and 144th. We bought it about five years ago for $700,000. Now, this land is a premier location. Right down the street, they're putting an In-N-Out burger. Have you, did you hear about that? An In-N-Out burger is going to be going there. So you can, uh, that's, that's a cool thing. If you want to just get fat, you can go there. But um, I'm just kidding. And then we have Google up there, and the outlet mall is all around there and all that stuff. I love In-N-Out burger. I shouldn't have said fat. But anyway, so um, <clears throat> this land right here has just grown and grown and grown in its appraised value. Here's the best thing about this land. We own it free and clear. We own it free and clear. That's, a, that's because of all the people who have given. We own it free and clear. So we don't know exactly how much it's worth, but it's worth millions now. And it's a huge blessing for us. As a church, look how God has taken care of us. God has put us in a building, and we're going to be here for three to six years. And then he's given us this land and we're going to use it all for the kingdom of God. And we're in a tremendous financial position. Own it free and clear. Most churches don't have that kind of asset. Most churches just have like kind of within their four walls and whatever is raised. And that's what they have. And they try to save and they try to do campaigns. And that's all good. But most churches, that's, we have this and we have this asset that's sitting over here. And our heart's desire is to use it all for the glory of God and to be wise and to be good stewards. That's our heart's desire. A lot of prayer has gone into this. So I want to bring you up to speed. Here's what we've been discovering. We've had this now for about five years, and we've hired all kinds of professionals. We've sought advice from a lot of people. The challenge with this land is this. It has wetlands, about five acres of wetlands on the east side of this property. Wetlands are like sacred. In the development world, they are sacred. You don't build on them. You don't put a driveway on them. You don't put a parking lot on them. You don't put a park on it. You just leave it alone. This is about five acres of wetlands. The other thing about this land is it sits on a hill. From a civil engineer perspective, that's not good. That means you've got to import a lot of dirt, and there's just retention walls everywhere, and it's just expensive. In fact, what we've discovered is it will cost at least $2 million just to get the site ready to build. $2 million. We've talked to civil engineers. We've talked to multiple builders. We've talked to multiple architects. We've talked to developers. I've sat with presidents of companies that does this stuff for a living, and all of them have said the same thing. This land is really expensive to develop. All of them have said that. All of them have said being a developer is really expensive. 
They've all said the same thing. In fact, the Hunt family, you know, when they were looking at this property, the Hunt family was looking at purchasing. We thought, well, we'll just sell part of it, and then we'll build, develop on the other part. Well, as they look at the Hunt families, they're the ones who own that NFL team that won the Super Bowl last year. It's not important. Anyway, so they came, and they looked at it. <laughs> they came, and they looked at it. And you know what they told us? This land, the construction project, first of all, they said they needed at least a half of, of this property, which we did, we, we don't want to give up that much. And they, and they said, we'll only give you $1 million. And they said, the reason why is this land right here, building it here, because of the construction costs in Colorado, would be the most expensive project for them in all of the United States. And they do this all over the U.S. That's what the Hunt family said to us. It would be the most expensive project in all over the U.S. Well, that right there got us thinking a little bit. It got us thinking because we got to give up more than we plan and we would be landlocked. And, and, and the price is for a 30,000 square foot building, which is twice the size of this. This is 16,200 square feet that you're in right now. Twice the size of this. It'd be close to $8 million to build a 30,000 square foot building. It's a lot of money. And it's not a lot of square footage, to be honest with you. Especially all the things we want to do. So I've been praying about this. The church board's been praying about this. A lot of prevailed givers have been praying about this. And the Lord has just been stirring my heart. <clears throat> I have pastor friends all over this area, and you know a lot of the churches. They have big grand openings. Have you seen any grand openings, churches having big grand openings? Let me tell you behind the curtain of all those grand openings that these pastor friends that I, that I know personally, they're going into 8 to $11 million of debt. Eight to eleven million dollars of debt. Who's going to pay for that? Well, the people that attend that church, right? That's a lot of weight. That impacts ministry. You can't do certain things because you've got to come up with fifty, sixty thousand dollars every month to pay for a building alone, not including anything else. So I look at that and I think, you know, I put myself in their shoes. And I put myself with all the balloons and everything of grand opening. And I'm just going to tell you, as a pastor, when I'm on this side, when I look at that, you know what I think of? It's the first day of slavery for me. I'm going to be a slave to the lender. I'm not going to walk away. You can go to another church. I'm not going to. I just feel, I feel that weight. And that impacts ministry. We have people here who've been part of those churches, and they say it changes ministry completely. My heart's desire is I want to, feed more hungry people. I want to send missionaries. I want to send summer missionaries. I want to have special programs for single parents. And I want to do all kinds of stuff. But all of that, all of a sudden, is just, it just changes. It changes the preaching. It changes everything. So the other thing we discovered was this. If we retrofit a building, we get way more square footage. If we just go retrofit a grocery store, It'll be cheaper to retrofit a grocery store, and we'll get 50,000 square feet than it would be to build on this land. We could retrofit a whole grocery store and walk away and be 2 or $3 million of debt, or we can be $8 million of debt and have 30,000 square feet. You follow my logic? So I want to be a good steward. I want to be faithful with all the giving. And the thinking is, well, you know what? Maybe we should just sell the whole thing and see what the Lord does. Maybe she just pray the whole thing because we can go from a great situation like we're in right now to a horrible situation overnight and think, what did we just get into? 
that easy. We could do that. I don't want to do that. I want to be wise, and I want to use this money. I want to do more ministry, and we're just going to pray. So would you pray with me? We have decided to put the whole property up for sale so that we don't have to walk around with that much debt. And we just want to see what God does, and that's where my heart's at. We just want to pray and see what God does. That's where our heart's desire. Is that okay with you guys? If we just want to see rather than going into that kind of debt. So you can be assured when it's time, and the good thing about it is we're in no rush and we can make sure it's the right deal for this church. That's the good news. That's the good news. So pray and there will be an opportunity when the right person comes around, we'll have an all-church vote and you'll be a part of the process. But please pray. I want to share with you a story here, guys, because this captures who Thorn Creek is. And uh, it's a story of a couple that had been married for 46 years. They were ready to walk away from their marriage, and God got a hold of them. Don and I met uh, in Denver. Uh, we actually met at my uh, 21st birthday party. She was the date of a guy that worked for me. Not too long after that, we got married. We went through the same trials that everybody does. I think when they first got married, it was pretty tough. They call it the uh, period of adjustment, where we were in the period of adjustment for, I don't know, 40 some years. Yeah, we just just started having uh, problems. At one point, I came home from work and uh, she was gone. She had taken our son and all her clothes and all that. It, it felt like this huge weight was just taken off of my back. Um, it actually felt pretty good. Three days she contacted me and wanted to know when I was coming to get her. I said, well, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I said, this is actually working out quite well for me. And eventually, after two or three weeks, I did go back. Things, things got better for a while. Oddly enough, I, I, uh, I became a Christian. I've been going to church ever since then. And I've been trying to get, uh, get Dawn to go with me and she, she never would. And I've been carrying this card in my wallet. In 2005, I am believing for the salvation of Dawn. Yeah, I always wanted things to work out, and, but um, yeah, it, it was rough. We lived as roommates. We had no uh, physical relationship, no intimate relationship, no loving relationship, no nothing. We were just roommates. There was a point in time where I finally had my fill of it and I left. Went and got an apartment close to where I worked and uh, I was gone for 14 months. I came back home and then it just started going back downhill again and started being all negative again. Every conversation went into a negative way. It kind of all came to a head. Uh, the kids are gone. And the reason I stayed was because, because God frowns on divorce. You, you, you hit a breaking point and uh, I hit that point. I didn't really even care if we got a divorce or not, as uh, long as we didn't live together anymore. I says, um, this ain't working. And I says, uh, you need to make out a list of the stuff you want. 
we'll figure it out and uh, we'll just go our own ways. I'd done that a couple of times in the past and she always talked me out of it. And this time I had made up my mind, she wasn't going to talk me out of it. Yeah, I was <laughs> having a bad day and I called Pastor Ruth and gave my life to Christ that day. And uh, I felt really good about that. I was extremely skeptical, and uh, Pastor Reuben came here and talked to us. Great, having him come. I said, I, I already had my, my mind made up that I was, I was leaving, no matter what. No matter what, I was going to be gone. He came and he talked to us for well, an hour and a half or two hours or something, and um, I just quite frankly asked him, I says, you don't find that odd? that she did that all because of this. I think it's great that she did that. And I've been wanting her to do that. I've been carrying this card around forever for her to do that since 2005. Is she doing it just to save our marriage? Or is she doing it because she, she does want to be a follower of Christ? What is, what is her motive here? So I was very skeptical and um, uh, I'm not anymore. I saw the difference uh, in, in her actions um, and I watched for that. She definitely changed. She gets involved in stuff that, that interests me. Food for Hope was a, was a big deal. I would go every once in a while to Food for Hope, but yeah. again, not very often, but then, yeah, I'm starting to get real into it now. You know, we do a lot with that now. I store the trailer here and uh, I go get food every every week, but she's, she's there too, you know, to help. We, we clicked together. Going uh, yard selling. We wouldn't have, three years ago, we wouldn't have done that. We spent the day together, you know. We wouldn't have done that three years ago. We, we get along better now than we did when we were dating. All the, all the friends that she's, close friends that she's had, you can count on one hand before, before going to Thorn Creek. Now, now you ain't got enough fingers and toes to yes. them all, right? <laughs> I think being with a good church helps too. There's yeah. something about that church. I don't know what it is. And I, I actually look forward to going to church. <laughs> it would be pretty tough for any family, any couple to um, make a lifetime together without God. Prior to God being in both of our lives, it wasn't working. It just flat wasn't working. Since then, it has been working. As long as they, uh, they treat each respect and love and have God in there, well, I don't know how they can miss. <clears throat> I wanted to show you that video because I want you to see how God's using this church. The devil wanted to break up a marriage that had been together for 46 years that had children and grandchildren in history. And God said no. And God used this church to reach them. I remember the day Don called me in tears and I led her to Jesus. And I remember sitting up in their living room and I remember Mike was very adamant. He was at this place and he said, Pastor, I'm done. And I told him, brother, give God a chance. He's moving right here, right under your nose. And now they come to church and they hold hands. They sit in the back row. I think sometimes they make out sometimes or something like that. <clears throat> and they, they just, it's beautiful seeing they serve together in Food for Hope. I told Mike, Mike, don't leave. Nobody else will put up with you, brother. I'm just telling you. And he just laughed. But it's beautiful seeing their walk with Jesus now. That's what this church is about. 
Thorn Creek 5.0. I tell people I've pastored five churches and they're all called Thorn Creek. I can't tell you how many people I've seen come and go. But I want you to hear this. You're part of Thorn Creek 5.0 and we need you. Turn to the person next to you and tell them we need you. Can you do that? We need you. This church needs you. Tell them this church needs you. If this is your first weekend here at Thorn Creek, I want you to hear this. This church needs you. God has brought you here for a purpose. I want to do more. We're planning on going to Jerusalem in a few years. We're planning on going back to Peru here in a couple of years, in about a year and a half. We're going to deepen our missions relationships. We're going to deepen our ministries across the city. We're going to do other stuff, and you're part of it. We're the church today. The building stuff will work out, but we're the church today, and we need you. Some of you might need to start giving. Maybe that's how God's stirring your heart. Some of you, maybe it's attending church. You just don't come regularly, whatever it is. I want you to hear that this church needs you. Let me thank you also for your patience. Normally, sermons don't go this long. So if you're wondering if this is normal, it's not. This is just kind of a special weekend. Normally, services don't go this long, although I don't mind it. But I want you to know that this is a special weekend. So I want you to just embrace this morning. Can you do that? Just embrace this morning and what God is doing before us and how the Lord is working. Thank you, God, for your grace and your love. Thank you for the way you've moved here. We just worship you. Thank you. Have your way in us and through us. And Jesus, our hope and desire is to lift you up. To lift you up, Jesus, just like just like Moses did. We want to lift you up, Jesus. Would you continue to draw sinner and saint here? Would you continue, Holy Spirit, to work here in a miraculous way? And continue to use us. We want to let our light shine so that people see you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.